Optimal Bio podcast. At Optimal Bio, we don't just balance your hormones, we balance your whole body. Our conversations range from nutrition to medicine with an emphasis on wellness tips to support your health journey. If you like what you hear, find us on the web at OptimalBio.com and follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Welcome, everybody. Today, we have a, a special guest as part of our wellness series, Mr. Kevin Duthu. Uh, Kevin has a very interesting story that I thought would be beneficial you know, to our listeners today. As we are, at the end of the day, human beings, and we all have our own stories. But I think in this case, based on wellness, I think it's important to hear from Kevin today. So Kevin, welcome, and would you mind uh, just giving us a little bit about your background? Yeah, Jim. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, quick background about myself. Um, currently 30, uh, 36. Yeah, 36. Um, every time I uh, have to buy something that I get carded for and they say, what's your birthday? I always tell them I don't remember. And they say, okay, you're good. And usually the Blockbuster <laughs> card falls out of my wallet and they go, you're double good. Um, 36 years old. I'm really originally from South Louisiana. So I grew up eating... Um, uh, we can just say comfort food to say the least, jambalaya, gumbo, crawfish, all that kind of stuff. Um, I was never really taught how to eat well uh, or how to take care of myself for that matter until I met my wife, uh, who is an avid uh, fitness instructor. She does a lot of cardiotherapy. She does indoor cycling and um, high intensity uh, training. And, you know, I guess when I met her, I was just kind of... Um, I was a drummer in a band and I drank a lot and just ate a bunch of like late night bar food and I was carrying 265 pounds. And then I, I never felt good ever, really. I was always tired, uh, didn't have a lot of energy, low motivation. And so she kind of helped me and put me on a path of, you know, doing light cardio to start, didn't have a lot of strength, and then teaching me how to eat, eat better, mainly focusing on only eating and shopping from the outside of the grocery store instead of the aisles. So I embarked upon like a, a, I guess it was a year of trying to reprogram my body as far as cardio, uh, eating right. Uh, and it took about a year and a half and I went from 265 to 175. Wow, that's incredible. And that wasn't, doing, I didn't wake up at 5 a.m. and go on runs. I didn't do a lot of weightlifting. It was just really, it was indoor cycling, just cardio and getting out and doing things and then just adjusting my, my eating habits and learning what to eat and what not to eat specifically. So let me take you back in time. You know, you're banging on the drums, you know, you're, you know, as you say, you know, partying. I mean, it's a late night life, right? So you're, mm -hmm. you know, doing, uh, you know, gigs and, you know, afterwards you're, you're probably getting your, your food and your drink and, you know, you're hanging out till two or three o'clock in the morning. How did you meet your wife in the first place? I assume she was not in the music scene like you were and sounds like she was already pretty fit. So I'm just kind of curious how that all came about. So she actually was in the music scene. That's how I met her. Okay. I was um, playing drums and when I wasn't gigging, I was running sound at a club in Birmingham and she came through as an opening act one time. And I was just like, hey, who are you? You know, and then we just got to talking and I ended up helping her out. Um, and then we ended up helping each other out and that just kind of turned into that. So was she like a, a singer or was she a guitarist? Yes, she was a singer songwriter. Um, she played guitar and sang uh, and that's how I met her. But, you know, she was she was in great shape then. Her dad is actually 60, or I guess my father-in-law is 67, and he's still in phenomenal shape. He is an avid runner. Like for his 50th birthday, oh, 60th birthday, he uh, rode his bike from Birmingham to the Georgia state line and back. Like that was his, that was his birthday present to himself. So he's, he's an avid fitness person. I mean, every, like... Everyone in my in my wife's side of the family is just the pinnacle of physical fitness, and then um, so I just I they were like you got to come into this camp you got to get going. Sure, yeah, it sounds like it's part of their life. Which once it becomes part of your life, it becomes a lot easier to you know maintain your level of fitness, diet, and what have you. So you're dating, and you know you guys are falling in love and all that wonderful stuff. Um, is she, you know, 
dropping subtle hints about your your health and what have you, or is she trying to be like super nice? And then once you got married, she lowered the boom on you. <laughs> so a little bit of both, you know, when, when we were dating, we were both caught up in that, the music lifestyle. Like we were out until, you know, sometimes till the sun comes up, you know, we would go play a show in Auburn and we wouldn't start until 3 a.m. And we would load out at 6.30 and then just go to Waffle House. We'd been up all day, you know, drinking alcohol, you know, not taking care of ourselves. So we kind of both slid off the wagon, so to say. And then at one point she was like, that's it. I, I can't take it anymore. I'm fed up with myself. You know, I think we should, we should get on a better path to doing this. And I said, that's fine. I'm fine. You know, I'm fine. And then the real turning point was um, I had gone in for just a routine health checkup and then they, they took my blood pressure and it was sky high and they did some blood panels and it was all over the place. And they said, well, we're going to put you on medicine for your blood pressure. We're going to have to do a bunch of stuff and you're going to be on all these medications. And I was like, I don't want to be on a medication for the rest of my life. How can I fix this? And how old are you at this time? I was 34. Okay. You know, um, and, you know, I, I still view 34 as young. Um, you know, I, I feel like, I, I've, especially now, I feel like I'm 18 again. But, you know, they told me like, you know, um, you know, you've got to do all this stuff for your blood. You got to be on this medication for the rest of your life for high blood pressure. And I was like, I don't want to do that. How can I fix this? And they said, well, you can lose weight. You can start working out. You can eat better. And then, of course, the, you know, my doctor in Tennessee was like, well, you know, just focus on fat-free and sugar-free and all this stuff. And so then I went off the deep end. Um, and then my wife was actually doing an uh, ACE Fitness slash nutri nutritional like certification kind of thing. And so she was like, well, if you want to eat better, let me show you how to do it. So that's kind of how it started. So when you're heavier and you're in this lifestyle, you know, it becomes your new norm or your normal, you know, way of life, so to speak. So once you started losing some weight and you started eating healthier, you know, as you look back on it now, what would, did you consider normal before that you no longer, from an ache and pain standpoint, from a stamina standpoint, um, any real life examples, you know, that you now no longer, you know, uh, you're either better at now or you no longer have to worry about it? Great question. Immediately uh, from the music side, the stamina to just have full steam for three and a half hours behind a drum kit immediately shot up through the roof. You know, before is like 45 minutes, I'd be good. And then after that, I was just dragging. Now it's just, I can, I can go full steam straight ahead. Uh, not a problem. You know, I, I don't play that much anymore, but for a day-to-day -day work stamina, so sleep improved tenfold. I now get a full night's sleep, no problems. You know, I'm not waking up every two hours. Uh, my wife says uh, I don't snore anymore, which has been great for her and me. And just, you know, having the energy, you know, at, at 5.30 or 6 o'clock when we're done with the day to not just want to slump into the couch and watch TV. Like I actually want to go out and do things and, and wash the car, do yard work or, or go, see, go see friends. So, I mean, that stuff has just shot up tenfold and just the mood and just, you know, you're, you're always in a better mood because you're not tired. Something, the mental clarity, I know that sounds weird and it's trivial, but I'm telling you, it felt like a, like a, like a blanket was unlifted from my brain, so to say. And just I could think clearer, I could communicate better. That that was the most intriguing thing to me was the mental thing, just eating cleaner and 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 being able to to do a lot more multitask and not feel overwhelmed all the time. So that was that was very strange for me. Sure. So before when you before you embarked on your journey, how did you view food at that point in time? Was it a source of nutrition for you? Was it a source of just making sure you had fuel in your body, whether it was good for you or not? Or was it deemed as just, you know what, I'm going to eat anything that's, that tastes really good because, you know, there's no issue and, you know, a pancake's a pancake, um, a waffle's a waffle and, um, and I love the syrup and I love the whipped cream and, or whatever else you put on it. So, you know, how would you view your philosophy on food at that point in time? Yeah. I mean, I just ate when I was hungry 
but I was hungry all the time. Like I never got the sustenance that I do now eating correctly, you know, balancing protein, fat, and carbohydrates and knowing what they are and how to use them and what they're used for as fuel for the body. So before, you know, it'd be like, oh, I'm hungry. Let's go get some uh, Doritos covered in pepper jack cheese with jalapenos and a steamed sandwich with, you know, a ton of mayo and mustard and ketchup and pickles and all this stuff. And uh, fast food, you know, fast food was just food. You know, I, you know, now I look at it and it's, it's, poison. It really, I mean, every, all of it really is. I mean, there's no way around it. It's just, it's horrible. You know, there's a few other, you know, like if, if you know what to get, you can get fast food, like Chipotle, I guess not fast food, but like fast casual, but Chipotle or Moe's and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I was just, I ate when I was hungry and I was always hungry to, I guess, put it in perspective. So it's one thing to have somebody help you like your wife did. uh, But I think Everybody has to have a, uh, either a aha moment um, or a process that they buy into. Uh, so obviously you're willing to give it a shot uh, with your wife. She's you know, giving you somewhat of a roadmap. Um, but a coach or a loved one, you know, they can only do so much. I mean, the individual at the end of the day has to be self-motivated to do it. So was there like an aha moment? Was it the doctor's visit, for example, in your lab work? Or was it, you know, something else that just struck you one day and you said, you know what, I'm dedicated to this. I'm moving forward with this. Yeah, it was really the doctor thing. You know, high blood pressure runs in my family. And they, you know, of course they attribute it to a high salt diet. Everything in South Louisiana is either deep fried or it's, you know, a gravy and there's a lot of salt and spices and they were like, oh, that's just where you're from. That's just, it's how it is. You'll have high blood pressure for the rest of your life. I uh, refused to accept that. Just based on how I've seen other people in their health and just knowing that, you know, what they can do to improve it. And I said, there's gotta be a way I can, I can improve this without medication all the time. That was the biggest catalyst. And to, to be honest, a when when a lot of that happened, it had uncovered other health problems that were being hidden by either being overweight or unhealthy. So we were, once I was down 60 or so pounds, we'd uncovered more things that I actually needed to go in and have surgeries to fix. So that was a blessing in disguise. But I mean, that was, the true catalyst was me not wanting to be on a pill regimen for the rest of my life. Yeah, and that seems to be the situation with a lot of people too. You have these like hidden ticking time bombs, right? And when you're you know overweight or unhealthy, you know they're masked. And then as your body is healing itself, you know other things come come into play. The outside in, I guess, philosophy of a grocery store in terms of purchasing food and, and eating that type of food, I kind of understand what it means. But why don't you just you know walk us through it from a you know, if you're a teacher teaching our listeners in, in reference to a, a strategy and how to purchase, you know, food that's good for you. Yeah, so I guess when I reference the outside of the grocery store, it, depending on where you shop, you know, if it's Whole Foods, it's a lot different. But if it's a Publix or a Kroger or a Harris Teeter, which by the way, we miss a lot, shout out Harris Teeter. <laughs> you know, just going from the outside, because that's where you get all your organics, your leafy greens, your fruits and vegetables, your poultry, your beef, uh, and your dairy, you know, everything in the middle of a, you know, Publix or Kroger tends to be processed snack food, high gluten, high wheat, high carbohydrate meals that don't really have a lot of nutritional value. You know, it's a lot of wheat thins, potato chips, chips and dips, pop tarts, you know, all this stuff that we've been told our whole lives is good for you. And it's a good breakfast, a grab and grow, grab and go breakfast. Um, but I mean, it's just, it, and if it works for you, great. But it, like for, in my case, it didn't work. And then we, when we transitioned to eating, you know, stuff with a lot of rice or pasta or, you know, stuff filled with cheese to where we started doing one, two, three ingredient meals to where maybe it was um, a broccoli, a sweet potato and a piece of chicken or uh, a piece of meat, asparagus, and like cauliflower rice. That was when I started noticing a lot of stuff. And 
I mean, that that's how we shop now. Like we 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 make lists to just stay on the outside. And we we don't do a lot of dairy. We do mostly like almond milk. And if it's cheese, it's it's like not a lot of cheese. Um, that just doesn't work well for us. But, you know, I have a friend that eats a ton of cheese and he owns a donut shop and he's super fit. But it's, I guess it's for him, it's mainly about moderation. But the one, two, three ingredient meals really made the difference. And that's when we both started noticing other other health stuff like um, our body odor decreased, um, our skin started clearing up. I I like to think I grew some hair back. I know y'all can't see me on the podcast. Jim can see me right now, but you know I was losing hair at a rapid pace, and I you know I I tried a bunch of different stuff and nothing worked. And then like eating cleaner seemed to slow the hair loss, which was really weird. I mean it's it's so. Um, you know, Jim, like I was telling you before we started doing this, you know, I started listening to some of your older episodes and a lot of it resonated with me because you, we're not taught this stuff mainstream. You know, we're taught to look at the food pyramid and be like, you got to eat 10 loaves of bread a week. You know, it's like that doesn't work for most people. And unfortunately, the food pyramid, as Dr. Brandon says, is a ticket to the hospital uh, at some point in time in your life. And, you know, if you really dig deep, uh, everything in this country, I think there's a lot of good intentions from a lot of good people um, in government, politicians and what have you. But at the end of the day, also, it's protecting your own interests in terms of getting reelected. And the food pyramid was developed, you know, back in the 60s by... Um, senators and congressmen from, you know, the farm states. And obviously it's, it's heavily weighted towards grains. And as we know, um, you know, that food continues to be processed more and more and more. Um, it has to taste good, obviously. So they have to add a lot of stuff to it. And at the end of the day, I think people go down that cereal aisle, for example, and they think just because, you know, Cheerios doesn't have quote unquote, you know, sugar in it, or maybe it has real sugar, doesn't have high fructose corn syrup, it's actually good for you. In reality, you know, all those grains, you know, convert to glucose, which converts to sugar and that converts to fat. So uh, getting back to your, your sweet potato, your chicken and your broccoli, I know me, if I'm indulging, let's say, in a cheeseburger from McDonald's, um, that's going to taste a heck of a lot better than the sweet potato, chicken, and broccoli. So your body had to have gone through, or your head at least had to be telling you, hey, Kevin, what the heck, man? Um, I'm, going, I'm going from, you know, the stuff that tastes really good to this. Uh, so how did you maintain your willpower? It was very difficult. I, you know, I, I've never been addicted to anything, but I guess I would attribute it to if that's what, like, uh, I guess, what do you call it? Uh, withdrawals. Like I had a, just, I was in a bad mood for like two weeks and I had just headaches like, like crazy. And, uh, one of my other friends who is a certified nutritionist, he was telling me, he was like, you're going to hate yourself when you, when you, if you just quit cold turkey, quit junk food and quit, you know, like all this sugary stuff, you're, you're going to go through withdrawals. And sure enough, I did. And it was very, very, very difficult. There were a few things we ended up finding that helped, I guess you could say the, the withdrawals. Um, one of which was like just peanut butter, just getting a teaspoon of peanut butter, just to get that sweetness from the peanut butter, but just everything in moderation. So like peanut butter saved my life when, when that came into it. And then, you know, just a few different things um, that he had given me, like for Whole Foods, there's, um, I think it's called Smart Sweets. It's like a, it's like a, they don't use, it's like three grams of sugar in a whole entire bag of like uh, Swedish fish flavored things. And just eating a few of those would just kind of curb that craving. But it was tough, man. I mean, you're 100% right. It was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. But looking back on it, uh, I'm so glad I made that decision. And that has encouraged me to help other people. Um, like I was telling you before we started this, I have a friend that doesn't know how to eat. So I've been trying to help him on the right path of figuring like, hey, maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe you should look at doing this or this or this. Um, and it's helped tremendously just with him. And um, his 
endurance and his, you know, he's also a musician. So it's like, he was always down in the dumps and I was like, Hey, you know, maybe instead of, you know, drinking 10 beers and doing 10 shots of crown a night, you just stick with water, you know, and Gatorade and see how you feel. And then, you know, when the next day he wakes up, he's like, Oh man, I feel great. We should go do something today instead of just, you know, wake me up at 2 PM. So, um, yeah, that's, it's been good, but it was, it was tough. So I want to go back for just one second. Uh, when you did go to the doctor and they gave you your labs and the doctor obviously recommended medication and you were, and you fought that obviously and, and you wanted to try a different strategy. Was your doctor supportive of that or were, was he or she um, dismissive and, and wanted to, in, in a way, you know, sold you on, you know, trying to take medication or trying to sell you on trying to take medication? Yeah, so she was incredibly supportive. She said, okay, that's fine. I will let you do this. Uh, I want you to come back in 30 days and have another checkup with me and we'll see how your progress is doing. So I think my first appointment there, I mean, my blood pressure was, I think it was so bad. She was like, you can't go home until it goes down. I mean, it was like, you know, 190 over 113 or something. Insane, right? Mm-hmm. So she said, okay, well, you know, let's let's do this. So about 30 minutes later, she came back in the room after I was relaxed and it was, you know, 160 over, you know, 94. Still, still high. But she was like, this is, you know, you can go home. It's okay. Just, you know, get, you know, keep me on speed dial. Uh, come back in 30 days. And so I immediately just, I, I flipped a switch. I came home, I talked to my wife and I flipped a switch. And that switch basically was me telling myself, I can't have these certain things anymore because it is hurting me. Like I had to tell myself, I can't have that. It's hurting you. And that was different than, um, I shouldn't eat this. It's not good for you. I, I flipped it just boom. I can't have this. This is hurting me. And that mentally gave me the, the, the willpower to just turn certain things off and turn other things on and just had to go full steam ahead. And so 30 days later, I went back for my checkup and I think I had lost 18, 20 pounds in, in a month, wow. just drinking water, cutting out Cokes, energy drinks was a big thing. I had to, that was bad. So it was just black coffee and water and eating better. And I, I lost about 18 pounds. I came back and blood pressure was like 119 over 80. And she was like, this is incredible. Um, bravo. Uh, uh, a lot of people can't do this, so keep it up. So I continue with the checkups and the checkups and the checkups. And that was actually when we discovered, uh, I didn't even know this, but I had a hernia. And we discovered it strictly because of weight loss. You know, mm-hmm. I always thought, oh, I was like, man, my hip's always killing me, you know, because it's a dull pain. And then um, I went through a physical and they were like, nope, you got a hernia. And we wouldn't have caught this because um, you were much heavier and they're harder to spot when you're heavier. So blessing in disguise, like I said. So I got that fixed. And then uh, when I remember when I went in for surgery, the anesthesiologist was like looking at all my records and he was like, boy, I'm glad I looked at the latest one because if... (laughs) If I would have prepped you up for gas weighing 265 and you're 175, is like, it would have been a long sleep, you know? So, <laughs> may not have come out of it. Yeah, you know? So, that was, that was one thing. But yeah, that was, that, was the, that was the hard part. So, we talk a lot about food. Um, and obviously, liquid, what you drink is also food as well. You had mentioned earlier about soft drinks and energy drinks. And I think, a lot of people are under the misconception that energy drinks are actually good for you. Um, and I think a lot of times when they, people start going through weight loss, they don't really look at the liquid calories they're taking in. They just focus on the, what I would call the, the hard calories, so to speak, as it relates to food. Um, so kind of walk us through your, your liquid diet, you know, back in the bad days and, you know, how that's changed now. Oh man, the bad days, where do I start? You know, in the morning... I would go to Starbucks and get a freaking whatever the biggest size latte they have is just, you know, vanilla caramel latte or whatever. And then just, the, you know, in my head, that was coffee. Now I know it's 450 calories and it's full of sugar and fat. And then, you know, after that, might drink a Coke, 
then I might get a little tired and have a Red Bull. I mean, looking back at it, Jim, I mean, I was probably consuming 1,200 calories of liquid a day, and it was all sugar and just awful. So that was something else that we tried to focus on was getting your calories from food or the hard calories and then, you know, not drinking your calories. So now it's like in the morning, it's just uh, black iced coffee uh, and then usually water for the rest of the day. And if like, if I have a hankering for something different, I might go for, um, um, there's a, uh, I can't think of the name of the company, but they make an electrolyte powder um, that's like a salt-based beverage mm-hmm. and it tastes like lemonade, but there's, there's, it's just like, uh, uh, like powdered lemon and something else uh, with a lot of salt. And I find if I don't drink enough water, I'll go drink one of those and I feel great. Like I sleep better, you know, cause it's hard to get a lot of that. Um, well, if, if I'm not eating a lot of salty food and I'm just doing water and coffee, um, I feel like I have to drink a ton of water to get that like hydration right. So I, I try to balance it out to where I'm doing like a full, you know, 64 ounce jug of water uh, at least every day. Uh, sometimes, you know, one and a half of those. And if I can't do that, if I'm traveling, like uh, if I'm flying, which I haven't done a lot since March, 2020, obviously, but, you know, flying, it's it's hard to stay hydrated because you don't want to have to get up three or four times on an airplane and use the restroom. So those hydration packets have saved my life um, just, you know, from an electrolyte standpoint, because I tried to transition to Gatorade and like Gatorade Zero and Powerade. But man, you talk about uh, like the artificial sugars in that, give me the jitters. Uh, it, they drive me nuts. I can't sit still. I don't know. I get headaches. I, I don't know if it's like the, uh, you probably know better, but it's, you know, whatever they use for that fake sugar. I don't know if it's, you know, stevia or whatever. I don't know, but it's just, it get, it, it makes me jumpy as I'll get out. Yeah, and I think too that the, the the fake sugars play tricks on your body and on your mind. And from what I understand from Dr. Brian, and he certainly could explain it better than me, but your body then ends up craving more and more of it. And the human then thinks they're just there's zero calories going in. Um, but in reality, that's all getting converted, you know, into fat. Um, and again, Dr. Brandon can explain this better than me. And that's why you see a lot of people that are on these, they're addicted to these diet drinks and they're not really losing any weight. Um, the, in reference to the, the energy drinks and the sports drinks, you know, Powerade and, and, and Gatorade and what have you, um, you know, I did a, quick web search and I would recommend everybody do that. Just Google, you know, how much sugar is in um, Powerade or Gatorade compared to a can of Coke. And you'll probably find that um, there isn't much difference at all. And I'm kicking myself still because we have four kids and they're all grown up now. But, you know, back when they were on this soccer circuit, you know, traveling all over the Southeast, uh, you know, everybody kept telling them, you know, make sure you got your Gatorade. You know, we had to get the Gatorade after, um, you know, practice or after a game because God forbid they go without a, a, an ounce of liquid for four or five seconds. And, uh, you know, looking back on that, we were just feeding our kids poison, you know, during that time frame. Um, okay, so now you are you got the diet going. Sounds like you're becoming a little bit more disciplined. And I'm assuming back in your music days when you had a lot of weight going on, you probably weren't going out and cranking out 150 push-ups in the morning and running four miles and so on and so forth. So now you start your exercise regimen. And... Let's t- go back again to the beginning where, you know, you get the doctor report, you know, you start eating well, you turn that sw- flip that switch. Did you start that same day or the next day exercising? You know, tell us how you did that. So at first the motivation kicked in and I wanted to try anything and everything. And when we first started, so my wife is a, is a full-time fitness instructor now uh, teaching at three different facilities in Tennessee. Before that, she wasn't. She just kind of did it as a hobby and attended. So I didn't mm-hmm. have like a workout buddy. Um, and I, I didn't want to go do, uh, at the time, she was doing this thing called Attack. And it was a Les Mills program. And it's it's um, very cheerleader-esque with uh, a lot of, you know, mo- body motion and, you know, step. And, you know, I, I didn't really want to go do step and that kind of stuff. So um, I, I tried the P90X thing. And... The first two weeks of it, I felt like I was going to die 
because uh, you know I don't know if you know P90X, but it's like sure. intense all the time. And if you're used to doing nothing and you jump straight into it, it's it was tough. So then I kind of waned off that a little bit and then just started a routine. And the routine consisted of getting up every day at the same time, going for a walk, and I would try to see how long I could run. And I just started baby steps. I'd be like, let me see if I can run from here to the stop sign, which was like, you know, 330 feet or whatever. Mm-hmm. Let me see if I can continue. And I would get tired and I would build that up to where now I can run two miles and it's like n- like nothing. Um, so the car- I-, I fell in love with cardio more than I did like strength training. Um, you know, I've done some strength training. It's fine. Um, but the cardio I felt like was the biggest benefit um, to what I was trying to achieve at the time. Um, and I could tell because I was tracking everything militantly on my Apple watch. I was tracking like my heart rate and like how my resting heart rate was and just, just watching it go down. I mean, just consistently go, go down from the progress. Just in my resting heart rate, when I started was like 82 sitting still doing nothing to where now if I'm like, uh, you know, laying in bed and we're watching something on TV, it's like in the fifties low fifties. And I I guess that's all from cardio. But, um, so to make a long story longer, P90X, it was too intense. I didn't dig it. Then I, then I started my own thing, walking and running. Uh, and then I fell in love with indoor cycling. Uh, my wife was teaching at cycle bar, which is an indoor cycle studio. Mm -hmm. I fell in love with it. I've always enjoyed riding a bike. I didn't know what I was in for when I bit off of that, but, uh, cycle bar is crazy intense. And you know, there's a bunch of indoor cycling. There's Soul Cycle, Crank Fit, and I think Les Mills has one called RPM, and they're all very similar. But I mean, it's like high resistance out of the saddle, as they call it. So you're you're not sitting on the bike and you are just going up a mountain full force to just, you know, like there's nothing better than just like plowing through a bike with like Def Leppard just blaring on a PA and like there's a whole entire room of people that's like cheering you on to do it. So, uh, I find the motivation from doing group fitness like that was greater than me trying to do it on my own because there's a bunch of people and it's like a community and you're like, Hey, I haven't seen you since last Tuesday. Let's go kill it today. And then you're like, you're rooting on each other and it's a big competition. And it's like, even if you come in last place, uh, like, so there was a girl who came in last place in the leaderboard and she was bummed about it. And I said, at least you're on the leaderboard. You could be sitting at home doing nothing. You know, like you're here, that, uh, that is, that is everything. I fell in love with that. So we still do that a little bit, but I've been so busy lately and I, you know, shame on me. I haven't had a chance to do it, but the occasional walk and the run is still what I do pretty much at least three times a week. I think you bring up a good point too. It's very difficult to do it on your own and very part of a team or you're part of a, uh, in your case, you know, a cycling class or, you know, just joining a, uh, a gym, for example, you know, you're going to meet people and uh, they're all in the same boat you are. You know, they, they want to get healthier. They want to work out. Uh, they want to improve themselves. And and I think that's a self-motivator. You know, I, I have a group of guys that I work out with at the Y um, three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we do our lifting then. And I just do my cardio on my own Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. And, um, but I, you know, there are times where like all of us, you know, it's five o'clock in the morning and you just want to roll over and whack that snooze button forever. And, um, but you know, for me, it's, my guys are waiting for me. I got to get there because they're going to bust my chops if I don't show up. Um, so, uh, for those out there that, you know, are contemplating a change, um, I, I do recommend if you can afford it, you know, to, you know, try to find something that you really like doing, uh, and do it with others. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing too. And if you if you're on social media, if you if you search the hashtag, hashtag never miss a Monday, that's like a big group of people that are like, I don't care if it's Monday, you're getting up before your work day, and we're gonna go do something active today before your real day gets started. So never miss a Monday is a good one. I like that one because everyone's always wow. they're like, I'm up at five thirty. What are you doing? Oh, I, I hit snooze. Well, you can never miss a Monday. So get out of bed, go do something right now. So it's hashtag never miss a Monday? Yeah, hashtag never miss a Monday. Learn something new today. Thank you for that. 
so all right. So now you're now you're in that situation where you've dropped the weight and you're in maintenance mode for the most part. Because now your goal is not to get back up, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of us, when we reach our physical peak or you know we've lost what we want to lose, you know you you can start to get a little bit what I would call mental anxiety around you know almost freaking out over you know how much food you're taking in and and you know whether or not um, you know it's good for you or it's not good for you so kind of give us a day in the life uh, of you know your typical diet now and then what do you do to con- combat that anxiety about you know if you're at a party for example and you you know, want to get a second plate of food, um, you know, do you starve yourself the next day or do you just say, you know what, I'm going to enjoy myself and I'll, I'll burn some extra calories doing something else? Man, that's a great question. And that's something, you know, ever since we kind of went into full lockdown that uh, I'll be honest, it's, it's been tough. Cause I mean, you get bored and then you eat and then you don't stop eating cause you're bored. And then you're at the end of the day, you're like, God, why did I do that? And it, it is, it, it's like a mental thing on yourself and you get so hard on yourself. So I guess let me start from the beginning too. Um, maintenance mode, that is absolutely uh, what I've been doing. So like a day in the life for me, I wake up, eat, eat a good breakfast, nothing too heavy. Usually just like two eggs and maybe like uh, half an avocado, right? Nothing crazy. And I find that um, by eating like, uh, a lot of fat in the morning, I'm not starving by 1045. So I can continue and go throughout the day and then not like when I go and sit down at a lunch meeting, maybe with a customer or a client, I'm not like, oh, let's get an appetizer. Let's do this. I mean, I'm so hungry. Like, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. You know, I'm not in a hurry. I'm nice, relaxed. So uh, that's what I do for breakfast. And then lunch, I'll typically do, uh, I mean, it really depends if I'm home uh, chances are uh, it'll be like a chicken breast with some broccoli or something like that. But if I'm out, you know, uh, like what I do, I, like we we have a lot of lunch meetings, a lot of stuff is based around food in this world. So I just try to find something on the menu that's not super crazy, like covered in like some kind of like uh, teriyaki sauce with a bunch of sugar or something like that. Or maybe I'll just do like a sandwich and not eat the bread. Um, you know, but I try to not be that guy at the restaurant. I'm like, can I do this? But can I ask you to make it all these, you know, sort of, you know, I'm not going to like, I'm, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'll just, I'll modify it to my taste. And then dinner, we usually, um, we, we eat in. That's another thing. We tried to stop eating out all the time. Eating out is like, they sneak so much stuff into that food. And you're like, oh, I'm just getting a steak and something will like, you didn't see that the steak was brined and some kind of sugar Coke mixture before, you know, it's, you know what I mean? Like they hide a lot of that stuff. So, um, we plan our meals every week to begin. So like on Mondays, we always do these like balsamic chicken bowls where it's like chicken breast with butternut squash, uh, zucchini, and then like over a bed of cauliflower rice with like a little balsamic vinegar. And then Tuesdays, it's usually like, uh, we call it shrimp fajitas where it's like shrimp and bell peppers and peppers and some other stuff. Um, but it, it all revolves around one, two, three ingredient meals, sometimes four if there's like a sauce. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what we do. And, you know, people are always like, well, you don't ever go out to eat? And we're like, I mean, if it's a special occasion, like we have an anniversary coming up and we're going to go to a nice place on Saturday and we're going to get the appetizer and we're going to get the drinks and we're going to get the steak and we're going to get the dessert. But like, if it's in moderation and it's once a month, like I don't, like I don't have a problem with it and it doesn't affect like me mentally. I'm not like, oh man, I shouldn't have split that cheesecake with her last night. You know, just, just keep moving forward and make better decisions. And if it's, I think everything is okay in moderation. I mean, I, I mean, I think that I could be totally wrong, but, um, that's just the way we kind of look at it. You know, I'm not going to starve myself the next day because I had a, I split a cheesecake with my wife. We're just going to keep going. But, it's, you know, if I have a half a cheesecake six nights a week, it's going to be a problem. Exactly. And I do agree that moderation is the key. And I also agree that not everybody can be a robot. You know, you have to enjoy certain things. And, you know, you have to feel good about going to a restaurant and having a nice meal. Um Halloween's coming up in a couple of weeks. I mean, it's okay to have one candy bar, right? You just don't want to eat the whole bag. And uh, especially if you're a kid, I'm, you know, I don't think you and I trick or treat anymore, but anyhow, uh, you know, so it's, um, 
uh, it's interesting. It's just, I do know people though that are, you know, probably 100, 110 pounds female in this case that uh, they're older, you know, they're probably in their mid fifties or in great shape. And, but they're so obsessed by it that, you know, if they're in a social setting, um, you know, they, they'll, they'll starve themselves, you know, for the most part. And they don't mm-hmm. have, you know, one or two glasses of wine and, you know, then they're, you know, obviously that's affecting them in, in a different way as well. Um, so you have to be careful, you know, once you've been successful, you know, there's this fear out there that, oh my God, if I don't really stay anal, then I'm going to, you know, balloon back to where I was before. And, uh, and then you obviously have the other problem, which is, okay, I've lost this weight. It's great. And, you know, and then to your point earlier, you know, one cheesecake becomes two, you know, the one beer a night becomes a six pack over time. And then there's Doritos next to you at night watching a game. And then, you know, seven months later, you're back to where you were before. And, uh, so at the end of the day, you know, my motto is discipline equals freedom. Um, and it's, it sounds to me like you've maintained that discipline in the last, uh, couple of years. Yeah. And it's, like I said, uh, a million times on this episode, it's, it's been tough. And, you know, even from friends where we'll go out to a birthday party and, you know, we'll go to a bar and we'll have a couple of drinks and they're like, oh, you're drinking a beer. I didn't think you drink beer. You know, you lost all this weight. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not going to go drink two beers every night for the rest of the month. Like, you know, I'm just here with you, with you guys. And we, you know, this is, this is the thing in moderation and I'm not going to drink, you know, 60 beers and do a bunch of, you know, drinks like I used to, but I'm here and I'm, ha- I'm here to have a good time and I'm not going to do this five nights a week. So, you know, and they're like, well, I wish I could do that. I'm like, you can, you just, you have to want to. Exactly. Exactly. Um, going to ask you some, you know, rapid fire questions and just, we're going to talk about music. We're going to talk about, you know, diet and, uh, exercise and what have you, and just kind of get your thoughts on some things. Um, most underrated musician that's famous. Oh God. You said rapid fire. I didn't think you were going to say impossible <laughs> to answer. Most underrated musician, Charlie mm-hmm. Puth. For the audience, who is Charlie Puth? So Charlie Puth is a musician. Um, he's a songwriter. He's also an artist. Um, if you haven't heard of him, look him up. But if you pull him up on Spotify or Apple Music, the first thing you're going to hear is, oh, he's bubblegum pop. This guy, and I say guy, he's a kid. He's probably late 20s. He is mental uh, when it comes to perfect pitch. So he can hear like an air conditioner somewhere and he'll be like, oh, that's a B flat. Just the hum, it's, you know, just emitting is B flat. Or like wow. a car goes by, he'll be like, oh, it's C sharp. But he can come up with melodies and stuff just off the cusp. And it's incredible. He is by far incredible. And he's also written a ton of songs that you didn't know he wrote. So he's been kind of in the background for a while and now he's kind of emerging as an artist, but he is like, people just look at him as a bubblegum pop guy and he is, and it just, he can play everything. He's incredible. Charlie Puth. Okay. Best drummer of all time. Jeff Picaro. What band was he in? He played drums in Toto. Okay. Um, and you've also, huh? you've also heard Jeff Picaro on about 600 other recordings, including Michael Jackson's Thriller album, um, Steely Dan. Uh, I mean, Jeff Picaro, it was amazing. Most favorite healthy food that you like? Um, most favorite healthy food that I like? I'm going to have to go with sweet potatoes. You can make those pretty much any way and they're almost impossible to mess up. And they usually always taste good unless you get a rotten one. And what's the favorite way you make them? Um, so we started doing these little sweet potato tots where you kind of ground them up and then um, you, just, you, you get like a muffin pan, like a mini muffin pan. And you just take sweet potato and you push them in the thing and you just bake them. And it's like a little baked sweet potato uh, tater tot. I love them. And uh, there, there's a, um, Mr. Kensington's makes, they make ketchup and a d- bunch of different kind of sauces. And it's like no sugar. It's just like ground up tomatoes with garlic and a little bit of salt. And they do a spicy ketchup that is so good. And you can get it at Whole Foods. So like the sweet potato tots with the spicy ketchup is, I mean, that's like my candy nowadays. Sounds great. Famous pl- favorite place to shop. Um, what category? Are we talking food? Uh, grocery, grocery, yeah, food. Um, 
Publix is usually our go-to. Um, they've started to carry a lot of, of good. They, I think Publix has the best produce where we are. It's no Harris Teeter. Like I said, I'll, I'll take that to the grave. I love Harris Teeter. So does my wife. Um, but Publix uh, has the best produce. Um, Kroger is getting really good about um, healthier options. You know, for like, um, uh, I think t- uh, Tyler, Brandon, and I were talking about um, late July chips and Siete chips, which are grain-free, uh, like tiger flower chips. Mm-hmm. And we are obsessed with those. And you can get those at Kroger now. But for the more like niche stuff, we'll go to Whole Foods. I always give my wife, my wife crap because she'll go to Publix for one thing, Kroger for one thing, Whole Foods for two things, and Walmart for like something else. I'm like, you, you got to go to four places? I and mean, she's like, you don't understand. I have to. Hey, it's working, right? It's working. Uh, iced coffee or hot coffee? Iced coffee all the time. Are you a tea guy at all? I do enjoy tea, um, Earl Grey, um, with milk. Uh, oat milk or dairy? Um, so I haven't tried oat milk. Should I try I like oat almond milk? milk? Almond milk. I love the unsweetened vanilla almond milk. Yeah, my daughters are doing oat milk. I, I'm not a, I'm not really a dairy person other than cheese and, um, I drink a lot of tea, but I don't, I drink it straight. I don't put anything in it. Um, but it seems like oat milk seems to be a, a pretty popular uh, additive at this point in time. I got to try that. All right. Uh, you passed the test, by the way. Um, so that's good. <laughs> okay, good. I've, I've, I wish I would have known it was a test. Uh, although I'm glad I didn't, then I would have freaked out and failed. So before we end every podcast, and as you probably know, we always ask uh, our guests to leave us, leave the audience with five takeaways. And they could be anything. Um, they could be life philosophy. They could be diet. They could be workouts. It could be whatever. So five takeaways from you back to us. Five takeaways. Um, I guess the first one would be always take the meeting. Um, and that's regarding anything in life because you never know what it's going to be and you can always say no. Um Number two is take care of your body. Um, I wish I could go back in time and tell myself to do that at an earlier date. I started when I was 34. And I, if I would have gotten a head start on it, I would have been able to combat a lot of stuff earlier. So definitely invest on taking care of yourself. And this is coming from someone who's like not a fitness nut. Just take care of your body. Uh, it's the only one we got, right? So mm-hmm. take care of it. I guess that leads me to number three. Uh, never be afraid to change career path. Like um, I know a lot of people that are, well, I guess let me say this. I heard this recently. The only thing from keeping someone from doing an outstanding job is an okay job. Meaning if it's just meeting your your minimum needs and you're just kind of floating by and there's no motivation to do an exceptional job because you have an okay job, you should probably look for something different and then you should probably never be afraid to look for something different at any stage in your life. I know people that just turned 50 that started a new career and they're the happiest they've ever been in their life and they're, they're blossoming from it. And it's, it's a great thing. By the way, we haven't told our audience you were in the music industry. What are you doing now? Now I wear a few different hats. So regarding changing industry. So, uh, I, I have a company called core media and we work on uh, producing content for companies, individuals, you name it. So our biggest thing is everyone has a story to tell, but you might not have the, the, the technical skills to get it out there and know where to do with it, how to do it, and how to make it do certain things. So our goal is to let us do the heavy lifting and you just focus on telling the story. And then I also work for a couple of different other things. And I consult on audio and video equipment in the Southeast. And then also uh, I work in the touring industry on the music side, uh, getting them equipment for uh, making shows happen. Oh, so cool. that's what I do. All right, two more. I can't let you off the hook. That two easy. more giveaways. If you have never played music in your life, give it a chance. If it's piano, guitar, drums, even trying to sing it, just do it. Music is the universal language of the world. And it's one of the only things that you can put a room of people 
that don't speak the same language and you can play a piece of music and everyone can have a different emotional response to it. And I think that's just the most incredible thing in the world. So if you have never tried music, give it a try. And it'll, and then once you start playing music, go back and listen to some of your favorite albums and songs and then you'll hear them differently, I promise. I promise. Number five, call your mom and your dad as often as you can. Um, I'm guilty of this. When I moved away, they're still in South Louisiana. Um, I'm guilty of not talking to them as much as I should. So now every day, uh, my my mom and my brother and I have a group text that tell each other good morning and we just kind of check in. So call your mom and dad if you haven't done it. This is your reminder to call your parents as often as you possibly can. Great advice. I will take up an instrument, although I'm the most unmusical person that you'll ever meet. I like to listen to it, but that's about it. Uh, but I'll give it a shot. Hey, you never Kevin, thank you. This, this has been a phenomenal treat today. Um, I loved your insights and you've been a great guest and uh, we wish you nothing but the best um, on behalf of Optimal Bio. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. This has been a production of Optimal Bio. Optimal Bio is CEO Tyler Brandon, podcast host and partner Jim Baker, medical director Greg Brandon, production assistance by Core Media, Beth Grabencourt, administrator, Kevin Duthu, executive producer. The podcast can be found on our website, optimalbio.com, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Our theme song is Sunwave by Paradiso, provided by Epidemic Sound. <laughs>